1992, a Los Angeles County parking patrol, a control officer, came upon a car that was uh, parked on the street in a no parking area, particularly because it was also the day that the street cleaner was going to come, the sweeper was going to come and sweep. So the officer pulled up behind the car and sat there, I suppose, joyfully and filled out a ticket. You know, I, I don't know if cops enjoy doing that or not, but uh, I probably would. <laughs> you know. No, I don't know. But anyhow, he writes the ticket, and as he walked up to the car with the ticket, he saw that the window was open, so he just reached in and laid the ticket on the dashboard of the car, didn't say anything to the person that was sitting in the driver's seat, turned and walked back to his car and drove off. Now, there was no complaining that was done by the driver of that car. In fact, there was a good reason why he didn't complain. He was dead. He had been murdered. Now, what's that got to do with us? We have many people who are dying in their sins or dead in their sins. It's, the, 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 the officer was preoccupied with writing that ticket that he wasn't concerned at all about who was sitting in the car. And how often do we get to the point where we're not concerned about those who are out there who are dead in their transgressions and sins. But what we should catch our attention most is their need, not their offenses. They don't need a citation, they need a savior. The church must be intentional. And Pastor Kevin uses that word quite frequently. To be intentional. To reach out to the unchurched. We believe that the church, that the unchurched matter to God. And they should matter to us. Luke 15 records Jesus telling three parables in a row. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. He shares these parables because of what some of the feeling has been with those around him who uh, were getting quite comfortable in their religion. It's like being a part of a religious club. Uh, they're not real desirous of bringing other people into their club. So, Jesus wanted his culture to know how important the unchurched are. As was read earlier, in verses 1 to 10, 
it says that the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus speak. And uh, it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Where were these people, the Pharisees and the tax and the uh, the people of the law, the religious people, where were they to mutter? They were right there with them, weren't they? They gathered together to hear this man speak as well. And of course, it goes on to talk about the presentation of these three parables. Jesus looked at his crowd that was out there. And these Pharisees and these teachers of the law who muttered spoke up and said, you people are listening to a man who runs around with sinners and even eats with them. Now, they meant this to be a put-down for Jesus. But what does Jesus do? He turns it around and <laughs> thanks them for the compliment. <laughs> he says, sure, I do. Absolutely, I do. Because he had a compassion for the lost. God is deeply concerned about those who are lost. God will search out those who, until he finds them. And when he finds them, God uh, found up, when, when they are found, then God and all in heaven rejoice. What's the intensity that shows here in these parables? First of all, you know, we, we see the, the parable of the, the lost sheep. Sheep was very, very valuable in those days and for a shepherd to have a hundred sheep he was doing quite well but he knew the value of having each one of those sheep and he was out with his sheep and had been out grazing and, and milling around and so forth and, and of course he's there and he keeps track of them and he says okay it's time for us to go back he gives a whistle and the sheep turn and he begins to go and lead his flock back home and he stands at the gate as they walk in and he's counting them and he probably calls them all by name because the shepherd knows his sheep and as they all go into there and he says wait a minute where's Lambo?" Lambo's missing. I got one missing. I counted 99 going in and I have 100. What happened to Lambo? Well, a shepherd has to leave the 99 and backtrack to go back out and look for the one lost sheep. And of course, it was probably a male sheep, right? Who... Uh, like to wander off and uh, 
check things out. I'm sure, Dave, you have to keep track of all these young guys that come up there and they see, the, you know, this, they hear a sound. So they wander off. This, this Lambo wanders off somewhere and he's checking out this sound and he finds some nice, more, more nice, fresh, fresh green grass and, and then he comes across a little stream and, boy, I need some drinks. So the little Lambo goes over and takes a drink. He's not even aware that the other ones are gone. And he perhaps gets stuck in a thicket to where he can't get out. And he begins to cry. The shepherd goes out looking, wandering the pathway that they came from to look and see where he could be. And I'm sure he probably heard in the distance, you know, wasn't very loud because he was must have been far away. So he follows the sound and he finds Lambo, picks him up, throws him on his shoulders and carries him back to the fold. And on his way back, he pulls out his phone and texts all of his friends. Rejoice with me because I found Lambo, you know. So happy, rejoicing in what he found. The intensity of looking for the one. But Jesus looks out into this crowd that he got out there, and there's a lot of ladies out there. And so he begins to relate. Have you ever been in your house or wherever, and you pulled a handful of change out of your pocket and a quarter drops on the floor and somehow it lands on its edge and begins to roll. And sometimes they can roll a long ways. Now, we don't know the story, as the situation of where it was, where, where this lady was at, where she lost one of her coins. She had ten silver coins and, and that was probably very, very wealthy to a degree back then. And so... Uh, she may have had them on, on a counter somewhere and she had some friends in and some, they had a party or something and then when they were all gone, there was, only, there was only nine there. So she begins to text. Hey, did you, did you see that one? Where's that one? I'm missing a coin. Anybody know where it's at, where it might have gone? And she lights a lamp and she begins to search. We know how it is. We begin searching for something. We know we had it right there. It's not there right now, so we've got to keep looking until we find it. The intensity of looking for that one coin occupied everything. Now, where she found it, we don't know. Under a counter, under a couch, it rolled out the door. I, we don't know. But she found the lost coin. I found it. Yay! Rejoice with me, people. Neighbors and friends, rejoice with me. Oh, the rejoicing. The rejoicing when someone is found. We need to Trust him in all things. 
But first of all, I'm going to see if this thing works. Unchurched lives matter. First of all, we need to look for them. Look for them. Look for the unchurched. Do we look for them anywhere? The tax collectors and the sinners were gathered together, but the Pharisees had murmured enough that Jesus had to speak up. The, un, the, 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 the church, the, the, the disciples, the apostles, they all had a desire to reach the unchurched. To have that intensity, that desire to reach out. The early church looked for the unchurched with that same intensity. Uh, the church... First of all, they started coming to Jerusalem and they met in temples and courts and found favor with all the people. But then the persecution came and they all scattered. Those that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. But they went out looking. Peter went down to Joppa to meet the Gentile named Cornelius, looking for the unchurched in ways that they could. Everybody who wants to to find that which is lost. Um, if I were a golfer, where, oh, wait a minute, I am a golfer. Uh, Jim and I are partners, and we play on Friday mornings. And in fact, last Friday, we, the very last hole of the, one, the front nine, or the back nine, rather, uh, you have an opening that you have to hit through you have to cross a creek and you hit through, and then it's a 90 degree turn to go to the green. That's where you aim, supposed to aim. That's where the ball's supposed to go. But somehow, on that hole, my ball always goes that way, which you would think would be good because that's where the. No, because between you and the green are these huge trees. And I hit my ball just last Friday, and it went this way, and then went that way, and I heard it, boing, hit a tree. That wasn't the first time <laughs> that I've done that. <laughs> and I go down expecting to find my ball, and I begin to look for it, and I can't find it. Well, this time I hit a provisional ball. So I hit my next ball, and guess what? Right where it's supposed to go. However, I'm laying three there. I'm laying one somewhere over there. If I find that ball and it happened to bounce out onto the fairway, I'm lying one there. So what do I do? I bypass the one I hit out the middle and go over expecting to find my ball lying right out there in the open. Well, it wasn't. But as I walked along, right at the edge, there's all the trees. Right at the edge was my ball. How do I know it was my ball? Because it's got the name on it that I started with. The same ball I started off the first tee is the same ball I've got on the last hole. It was a pinnacle. <laughs> I know it's my ball. Was I happy that I found that ball lying there and I'm lying one there rather than three over there? 
absolutely. We rejoice when we find something that's lost. Even in a game. If we hit something, if Jim hits something and it goes into the rough or into the deep grass, we go looking for it. We want to find it. Oh, here it is, Jim! <laughs> you know? Or, I'm sorry, sorry we can't find it, you know. So, you know, we, we rejoice when we find something. And when a sinner comes to know Christ, there's rejoicing. Because it may be my friend, may be my relative, and maybe somebody that I've been praying for. And I would rejoice that one has come to Christ. We rejoice in the things of that Lord does for us. But we have to look for them. We have to look for them. You know, sometimes we have people who just wander into the church. And we're grateful. And uh, we've had several. we got two that I can see right today that are here because they just walked in. One's been coming now for several weeks. We rejoice that they found us. But did we find them? Did we go find them? Secondly, we need to listen. We need to listen. Listen to the lost. What are they looking for? Are we able to answer their questions? We find this example to those who listen to, their, to the needs of others. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Jews in Jerusalem accused the apostles of being drunk. And Peter listened. And then he made a statement that clarified that this is not true because he says it's only, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Who gets drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> to listen and to answer. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was listening and he heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading from the book of Isaiah and he asked him, he asked him a question. He says, what are you reading so he was listening, and then he went and responded. A man, man named Apollos was speaking boldly in the synagogue, and Priscilla and Aquila heard him and invited him to their home that they may explain to him what was being proclaimed. Willing to listen and respond to those in need. The unchurched. Why are they unchurched? They have questions. We need to listen. Listen to them. Answer their questions if we possibly can. We don't use the archaic uh, scriptures that 
to try to read some of them because we don't understand those or that language to a degree. So we have we use a different translation in our church that opens up some of that those questions. We try to make our guests feel welcome. We're glad they're with us, glad they're here, and invite them back. But individually, as representatives of this church, we must listen to those who are speaking. The best way to, perhaps one of the best ways to get people to listen to you is to listen to them. To listen to them. But thirdly, perhaps the most important, to love them. We're quite familiar with the last parable that was told by Jesus of the lost son. And uh, we don't know how old he was. When I was growing up and heard this story, I just sort of equated it to a teenager. Because we teenagers back then knew everything. And uh, we knew what was best for us. But uh, nowadays I'm thinking maybe it's more in the somebody maybe in his young 20s, early 20s, mid-20s. I don't know. But anyhow, he went to his father and he had this brilliant idea that if his dad would give him his inheritance now, he could go out and just have a good time. Just have a good time. Some of his friends perhaps were egging him on. But he gets the father to divide up his estate between the two brothers. The younger brother takes his portion and he goes off. Out into the wilderness, out into who knows where. And uh, enjoys himself. Majors in partying. I bet he found so many friends. Those friends came from out from under the rocks. Those friends were just gathering around. Boy, uh, he would go into the place to, to buy a drink or get something to eat or whatever, and he, people just followed him. He was just throwing his money out there. He was just, he knew it all. He just knew how to party. That's all he wanted. Until now, when the pockets were now empty, gone. And so he realizes he has to do something. He can't, he couldn't possibly go back home. He couldn't possibly call his dad on the phone and say, hey, dad, I'm sorry, I need to come back home. No. So he finds a job. At least he did go out and get a job. You know, but the job that he got was probably the lowest type of job that anybody would ever get, and that was feeding the pigs, taking the slop jugs, you know, the the, the taking it out and pouring it into the trough and letting the pigs come and gobble it up. And yet, he was so hungry. 
desired to get onto his hands and knees and lie down there and gobble with them. Wow. When the hunger pangs come, the hunger pangs come. So then he comes to his senses. He says, wow, you know, my father has even hired servants back there and, and they have food to eat. I'm going to just go back and crawl on my hands and knees and beg my dad for a hired servant job. And as he gets up off of his crawling and makes his journey back home, before he has a chance to even say a word, dad sees him coming. Dad has a, you know, doesn't matter what you do as a child, dad still loves you. Dad runs to meet him, throws his arms around him. The boy tries to apologize, but the dad takes him in, welcomes him home, has a feast for him. Can you imagine eating that feast with as hungry as this boy was? Wow. The early church loved the unchurched. Peter altered his tradition and went to the Gentile home of Cornelius. Ananias endangered his life and went to see Saul of Tarsus to preach to him, to teach him. The Apostle Paul kept pushing the envelope of evangelism and ended up being beaten, stoned, imprisoned, shipwrecked. But they had a passion for the unchurched. Cal Thomas says, love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. We need to live what we know. Stories told about a friend who gave his personal testimony, and he says, and he, at that time, he says eight years ago, he had gone off to college, to Colorado State University, but he was majoring in partying and uh, belonged to a fraternity, and of course, they loved to party in those things, apparently, and uh, In the two or three years that he was there at that time, he flunked out of four of his five courses. And he said he got to the point where he had to sneak off. He had to drop out of the fraternity. He had to sneak off and make a phone call and call his parents and apologize for the mess that he got himself into. The parents listened to what he had to say. Then they said three words to him. And they weren't the words, I, we love you. They weren't the words, get a job. They were just the three words, just come home. Just come home. We have the unchurched that need to come home. 
to come to Jesus, to tell them we need to go out and look for them and to listen to them and to love them and let them know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, just like he did for us. The message that we have to share is the message that Jesus loves them, and we love them too.